campers. Ow. Spike. Grip. Shell. Still. Sunfield. Oh, yeah. Anywho, happy 4th of July. We are recording this on Sunday, July 4th, 2021. And as usual, your uncle's, your Uncle Juju is sitting here rubbing his head, trying to get his sinus to behave. This one, on the other hand, did a face palm so hard, he gave himself a concussion. That's not a joke, either. I was playing a video game, and I made the wrong move. This is what, look, here I am. The enemy side is over here. I'm over here. And while all my other teammates decide to go this direction, I was like, hey, since they're fighting over there, I can go over to their side and hide and then just strike, you know? Well, I was ready for it until my team killed all of the other team members and then they responded right behind me. Derp. That's exactly what derp, happened. I derp, was like, derp, oh, derp, derp, derp. like that and the face pondered around the world. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's not the smartest <laughs> idea. Four days he's had this headache. He might need uh, medical attention. So, thoughts and prayers for your uncle Chrissy Pooh. Anywho, so it is time for us to do the show, apparently. So, newsish stuff. I'm going to ask, uh, before I do anything else, I'm going to run over here and show you. Courtesy of Scott's Comic Relief, 420 E. Clean Street, Sweetie, Mount Sterling, Kentucky, because we're on 420, we need Sweeties. He gave us this really nice Captain America poster. And the reason I'm showing the Captain America poster, because one, it's July 4th, and two, because Marvel Comics sucks. Have you heard about what they're doing with the Captain America comic yet? Uh, I have no idea, but I can't wait to hear this. They have a new one called The United States of Captain America that starts with Captain America deciding that he doesn't like America very much anymore. So, so they can all suck it. So, basically. Yeah. Okay, so let me let me just put this out there for everybody who is like has issues with America. It's not America. It's the people that live in America. <laughs> we we are going to take all the politics out of this, okay? I'm just saying. And I'm not saying out of this Captain America thing because the only point of my bringing this story up is that Marvel Comics sucks and everybody's wondering why in the world are comic sales down so much because Marvel and DC both suck because they do crap like Captain America doesn't care about America anymore. Now, maybe they have a point with this story. Maybe it's a misleading introduction. It happens. You know, that's a storytelling device. But in today's hypersensitive environment, it's one that you don't use in a periodical. Okay, if you're making a monthly floppy, just like you don't do this, you don't do the misleading intro with a weekly series, WandaVision, because you see <laughs> that first episode and you're like, what the heck is this? And you don't give it a chance. You don't come back for the episodic thing. Using using a misleading introduction is a dangerous thing to do with an episodic storytelling. Don't do it. Don't you do it. If you do it, you better resolve it right away because if you don't get it done within that first episode or that first issue, everybody's going to see, well, Captain America doesn't care anymore, so why should I? And they all walk away 
and all of a sudden your new United States of Captain America comic book is only selling 10,000 issues a month, and you can't imagine why, because it's Captain America, but there you go. You know what? I, I want to bring something <sighs> up on, on, on kind of like that. Uh, I was watching this dude who posted a TikTok. Yeah, I know, TikTok, right? This guy posted a thing, and, and he was saying that this woman came up to him and asked him, why do you like Star Trek so much? And he actually gave some very valid reasons that I honestly never thought of. Mm-hmm. With all the science fictions, there's always apocalyptic world. Star Trek is the only one that actually had hope for the future and said, hey, we fixed all that. This is where we are now. <laughs> and I'm like, I never looked at it like that. Star Trek is one of those weird things you you really, honestly, Star Wars and Star Trek fans are both both take their franchises way, way too seriously. Star Wars is worse than Star Trek mainly because Star Trek's been mismanaged for so long. Everybody gave up, everybody gave up on it and Doctor Who, a while back. Star Trek they gave up like back in the just when I was getting into Doctor. Once, uh, <laughs> once Voyager was pretty much done, everybody gave up on that show. And Star Trek Enterprise was what pretty much killed the franchise. Which I know nobody wants to hear, but it's true. Anyway, the uh, that's the one with Scott Dracula. Yes, Scott Dracula is in it. Gotcha. The uh, the problem is with Star Trek. Star Trek is. It's not the only optimistic science fiction. It's the greatest example of it. And it's certainly one of the few major league science fiction franchises that don't revolve around warfare or things like that. At least it didn't start that way. There's still warfare. It's intrigue, but it's not like galactic scale like Star Wars or Battlestar Galactica or Space 1999 or any of these other major, or Doctor Who and their time war with all the other stuff. Everybody dissolves into war. Star Trek held off on that for years and years until, again, the 90s. Uh, right about the time the next generation started taking off is when they started playing with the political intrigue in Starfleet. But uh, I'm of two minds about Star Trek. I'm not nearly as enthusiastic about Star Trek as I used to be because, again, it's been oh, yeah. mismanaged for decades now. Yeah. Two decades and counting, guys. But... Star Trek is optimistic. They do believe there's there's a better way. Things will get better. We can approach a, a, an alien species in peace and be received in peace. That's the important thing. There may be those who would seek war or seek to exploit. Those are the bad guys, and it's pretty obvious to see. Flip side of that is that Star, Star Trek is the most fascistic of all the science fiction franchises including the Terminator. Now, Terminator's as apocalyptic as it goes, okay? Uh, <laughs> Battlestar Galactica is pretty bad. Uh, Star Wars is pretty much just, you know, warfare. Uh, but Star Trek is fascistic. You, you'll notice very few people in Star Trek disagree with the Starfleet line on anything. Credits don't mean anything. They're just a way of basically keeping score. So it's basically an enhanced barter system, which is very fascistic in nature. 
As for human freedoms, there's no such thing as human freedoms because we got aliens. We don't need no stinking human freedoms. It's whatever works best for Starfleet. I've thought about this for a while. I've, I've never really said it out loud, but Starfleet in Star Trek is the exact same thing as the Empire in Star Wars. Just with better PR. If you ever get... There are Star Wars fan fictions and expanded universe fiction offerings that take the Empire's point of view. Very few of them, but they're out there. It will sound incredibly like Star Trek. So, don't ask me for any names, because I turned 50 <laughs> this week. I, my brain cells are yet not there. I couldn't tell you any titles, but check them out there. They're out there, the ones that take the Empire's side, and they will read just like a Starfleet, almost like Starfleet, Starfleet Academy book would, would read. But, anywho, that's my opinion on Star Trek. And remember, opinions are like buttholes, because everybody has one, they all stink, they're all full of crap. Now, sure. what you got in the news, newsish file this in week? In the newsish file, news okay, uh, actor Ron Perlman, uh, you may know him, better known as... Beast, the, from the TV show Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Well, that's where I know him. Well, yeah. But he's had something since I then, I can't remember. I, that's how I know Ron he's been, That was something I can't remember. He's been in a whole lot of yeah. stuff. I mean, everything from he Blade to... He's best known for his role as Hellboy. Yeah, that's right. Hellboy that franchise. Uh, well, except for the new one. Uh, but anyway, he is apparently... Will be doing the voice of Optimus Prime in Transformers 7. I could see that. I would totally buy that. I'm good with that. I have no problems with that. Ron Perlman's one of those guys. Yeah. He's done a lot of voice work, too, hasn't he? He has done a lot of voice work. And he's proven he's willing to do Apple in, in sci-fi and stuff with Beauty and the Beast, which was the 80s TV show on CBS, I think, that yeah. he did with uh, Linda Hamilton? Yes. Okay. I was going to say, I was like, okay. <laughs> if, if you can get Ron Perlman to wear that much makeup and that much... I think it's not his... <sighs> I hate to say this, but I don't think it's actually his acting ability. No. He has one of those facial features that is just like, oh, wow. It begs to be hidden. Uh, yes. Oh, and, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Ron. Uh, he was also on uh, Sons of Anarchy, too, which I've never watched. But uh, yeah, that's I know true. He was on that that's show, true, too. Peg Bundy was on that show, too. Yes. Peg so Bundy's another one that gets around on the show. a lot. She's got another show. Peg Bundy's got another show. Yeah. Katie Segal, I think her name is. Yeah. But I can't remember what show it is, mm -hmm. but. Yeah, as if anybody cares. Right. Anyway. So, yeah. Uh, there's that, plus apparently there's a Transformer 7 movie coming out. So And related news. <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't ever this one I do care. This, yeah. mo this movie will be coming... Uh, not Okay, let me before I announce that part. There is going to be a huge crossover for some childhood uh, lovable characters. Okay? Scooby-Doo will be teaming up with Courage the Cowardly Dog in their new movie uh, does not give a title <laughs> but it will be out September 14th probably Courage Scooby-Doo but anyway be I out when? September 14th hmm. now I have seen mutterings online that the uh, 
the guy behind the creator of courage the cowardly dog has nothing to do with the project of course he did it as a work for hire warner media owns courage the cowardly dog so they can do whatever they want to with it just like they don't have to go to the hanna barbera states to figure out what to do with scooby doo yeah you would think that would be a a decent fit i'll I'll reserve judgment until I actually see what happens. <laughs> I, I must admit, I mean, I'm not going to turn it down. I, I, I actually like Courage the Cowardly Dog was one of those cartoons that actually had creepy elements to it. Like it was actually like it didn't do like Scooby Doo. Yeah, it's like oh, there's a monster, but you know it's going to be somebody, some guy in a rubber mask. Yeah, this was actually dealing with like really creepy stuff. Plus, they lived in a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere with all kinds of creepy monsters and ghosts and stuff that was just lurking around. Of course, the only person that wasn't blindsided by it was the dog who can't speak, trying to protect an old woman who hardly can see, and a stubborn old man who hated the dog so much. It was actually a really good show. I loved it. It was really good. The Mystery Incorporated band does get around, so yeah. That's what. So that's neat. Alright. A trailer was released that everybody is talking about right now. The trailer for Don't Breathe 2. This. I didn't think anybody survived the first one. (laughs) That's an awful long time to be holding your breath now. When did the first one come out? Like two years ago? Uh, those these are the thing about these. It's one of those horror movies, right? It's not okay. Here's the thing: people considered it as a horror movie, just like Get Out was a horror movie. But the thing is, none of them was horror. It was more thriller. It was like a Hitchcock thriller. And the idea behind Don't Breathe was these teenagers would break into this old guy's (laughs) house because they heard stories of that he had money hidden somewhere in there or something like that. It's been a while since I've watched it. But they go in there. The old man is blind as a bat. But what happens is is that he uses his hearing really well. (laughs) Like he can hear you breathe, literally. And he knows how to kill. So, yeah, it's, it's... It was like, oh, so these people who are bad have to get out of this guy's house alive. So it's like, oh, you know, this is not bad of a good, this is a good story. I kind of like this. Castle Doctrine, the movie. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So this, the second one is basically supposed to focus on who this guy is. Nobody really wants to know, but hey, because if you're, if you're watching this, I mean, I gotta be careful what I say here because I have not seen the first movie. I know uh, I know a Quiet Place and Quiet Place Two. Never saw those movies either, but I understand the concepts behind them. This sounds like Don't Breathe sounds like one of those things that. Uh, Dark Moon used to do, or that Bestron would do back in the 80s. One of those direct-to-video release type things where it's a it's a gimmick movie. You've seen, the 80s were notorious for gimmick movies. Yeah. There's, you got a gimmick. 
this is a this is actually a wrestling term. It's got a gimmick, uh, and it's different from a MacGuffin, which is what Hitchcock would do. This is whatever people go over. A gimmick is one particular rule you got to remember throughout the entire movie for it to make sense. With uh, a quiet place, you weren't supposed to make any noises because the aliens would kill you. With uh, I guess like with don't breathe, don't make any noises, or this old man who actually owns the house will be justifiably committing homicide on your butt. <laughs> so, so there's all kinds of things. The the gimmick movies never appeal to me that much unless it's a really clever gimmick. But hey, to each their own. Y'all enjoy yourselves, have fun. I probably won't be watching. Don't breathe too. You know the thing that really or don't breathe either. I started to think like. When it comes to horror movies, what is actually considered a horror movie nowadays? Because, yeah, Don't Breathe, uh, Get Out was considered horror movies when there really wasn't. So it makes me wonder, if the movie Duel was released today, would people actually call that a horror movie? There's there's an interesting take. If you look, now we've, we've preached the... the merits of Pluto TV before. <coughs> We've mentioned the uh, the merits of Pluto TV before. They do have a horror movie channel and a terror movie channel. They're located right next to each other in the Pluto TV grid. And you can you can look that they're right next to each other so you can compare what movies they're showing on each channel. Okay? Horror is more of the slasher, gore-filled type yeah, thing. That's horror that's kind. Of, horror is more tuned towards revulsion. Okay, right. you see it. Bec you would see it the same reason you would watch a snuff film. The Shining. <laughs> the Cross Shining snuff and <laughs> The Shining's not so much a snuff film in that it actually has more coherence to the to the storyline. Horror is gore, uh, snuff films. The plot really hostile. takes the plot. Yeah, Hostel is a horror film. I would consider Saw a horror film. I know there are aficionados of Saw who would vehemently deny that up and down. That's because you people are fools. But <laughs> it, Saw absolutely is a horror franchise because it's all about the gore. But the traps were so clever. Yeah, but it does it do anything to advance the plot? You. Now, Film Theory did a video on this not too long ago about how to survive Saw. No. R rule number one, don't do anything get Jigsaw's attention. <laughs> number no, number two, be willing to sacrifice everybody else so you can survive because the people who do that tend to survive, at least survive that movie. They tend to die the next movie, the movie down. But it, there is no plot cohesion. There's no real plot to freaking Saw. That makes it a horror film. Uh, you would look back at the 80s, Friday the 13th. All the slasher fix, flicks are horror films. Right. Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street was a little more clever about it because that was yeah. Wes Craven. No, I, I would consider Halloween. Like the Thing total horror movie. That is a horror movie in a different way in that it is... See, that's, that's the thing that gets me too because like even Alien... I would consider that to be a horror movie, even though it's considered a science fiction movie. But there are scenes in that movie that makes you go, 
Oh, it's a science. Alien was a science fiction horror film. Okay, Uh, terror tends to make you think a little more. It tends to be a little more cerebral. It's more about maintaining attention throughout the movie. Hitchcock has done terror movies. The Birds, I would consider to be a terror movie, not a horror movie. There was a little blood in there. Well, actually, there was a surprising amount of blood for a Hitchcock film. Uh, like the teacher with their eyes plucked out by the birds. Spoiler alert. The, uh, but gore doesn't necessarily make it horror, and tension doesn't necessarily make it terror. It's one of those things where you have to sit there and look at it and like, mm. Alien is a sci-fi horror movie. It's a sci-fi movie, but in horror. the horror genre. So sci-fi, Science fiction is this larger genre. Horror is a smaller genre that fits within it. I mean, if you, have you actually tried to think about why Jason Voorhees keeps coming back in Friday the 13th? Uh-huh. Do you, okay. Yes, until uh, Jason versus Freddy. Mm-hmm. And then, it, then they explained it all. And I'm like, well, you should have done that a long years ago. <laughs> because it's like, oh, that's why Freddy, the same demons that helps Freddy become Freddy is the same demons that helps Jason come back every time and I'm like okay that makes more sense see that for for Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street franchises that sense. makes sense it makes for the, sense for, for the rest of everything on that. not so yeah, much I mean, I know, but for a logic class no but I hey. think like I mean even with Friday the 13th it's like you know or even Halloween is the same it's like those movies are thrillers, but due to the fact that you can't kill them and they keep coming back, makes it into a horror movie somehow. I don't, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. It's just, it's just weird how they do things. But anyway, anyway. anyway. So what else? You, uh, what other newsish type things you got? Ah, uh, okay. This one put a smile on my face. Mm-hmm. Uh. Have you have you ever heard of a thing called Kickstarter? Yes. Okay. Well, apparently, and I don't know when this started, but Kickstarter ended up raising sixty thousand. Uh, no, their goal was sixty thousand, but raised seventy six thousand nine hundred and seventy four to do a life story movie. On Jim Barney, we are doomed as a human race. But Jim Barney, for crying out loud! What? 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 It's earnest. It's 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 earnest. earnest. It's earnest. It's earnest. It's earnest. I love those. It's earnest. Okay. A and E. I'm pretty sure did a biography on Jim Barney. That's all we need. It's earnest. When he was he from Lexington or Louisville? I think he was from Lexington, wasn't he? Jim Barney. Oh, as if anybody cares. But anyway, you know what I mean? You know what I mean, Byron? Yes, I know what you mean, Ernest. I'm gonna pop Jim, you in the face if you don't stop poking your head into my life. Jim Barney, who's of course the person who betrayed <sighs> Ernest P. World, has all those goofy movies. Ernest uh, goes to camp, among other. And all those Seven Eleven commercials that yes. you can find all over the interwebs. <laughs> I would be, I would be much more interested in a different project, not Ernest P. Worrell, 
I want to start a Kickstarter to tell the life story of Ernest T. Bass. Yes. Yes, that would be fun. I mean, you want to talk, we were talking about horror terror films, by golly. Just to build all the pathos within his backstory so you can never watch the Andy Griffith show again the same way. Wow. I mean, just think, think, how many children do you actually see in Mayberry? And how many pies did Aunt May bake? Hmm, coincidence? What do witches do with children? They bake them into pies in their ovens. Ooh, spooky. You have to go in... Oh, I can ruin any franchise. You know that. You know that already. I will not watch the Andy Griffith show the same way again. I messed up. And the best part is, you know that little scene? There's this iconic scene on the cover of like the, the Andy Griffith series, the complete series or whatever, where it's like a Norman Rockwell-style painting of Opie and Andy sitting there and eating Aunt Bee's pie while she sits there with a smirk on her face. Oh, no. Anybody no, who opposes no. Opie, and hey, hey, remember Bill Mummy used to, on the Twilight Zone, and like one of the very first episodes of the Twilight Zone, he played a kid who could wish people to the cornfield. He was, he, he was completely in control of the entire universe on a quantum level. So he erased the entire universe except for his little town. And then, what if he got tired of his mom and dad, wished them away, to, wished them away to the cornfield, and then wished a new universe for him, where he has a hot older teenage sister and a hot mom and two pretty much ineffectual males with dark hair and a simp as a doctor, and then this really cool robot, and they get just wandering around, but he doesn't know anything about the universe around him, so they're always perpetually lost in space. We can do this all day long, son. I've lost it. That's for inflicting an Ernest P. Worrell. Okay, we will move story on. on this. Moving on. Before he destroys never, something else. Never, ever bring Jim Varney back up to me again. You hear me? I will punish you. I will. I will punish you. I didn't know you had that much of a big hate on Jim Varney. That's fine. That old that man owes me money. Anyway. <laughs> Understand, Jim Barney became known as Ernest P. World to the entire universe as the biggest freaking idiot in the entire universe. And for some reason everybody on the planet knew he was from Kentucky, so I had to take the heat for it. Beat Jim Barney. Anyway. Go ahead. Go ahead. Wow. Okay. Even uh, Buddy Ebsen did better at portraying Kentuckians than he did. Anyway, go ahead. All right. So, Buddy Ebsen wasn't even Kentuckian. Um, go ahead. This isn't really newsworthy, but no, I have not. a lot of uh, stuff here. Mm. In the 80s and 90s, they were wanting to make superhero movies based off of Marvel mostly. Okay. Now, because Marvel would pour itself out to pretty much anybody. But yeah. anyway. Yeah. Now, I think maybe one of these movies actually got made, which was The Punisher with Dolph London. Yes. So, here is a list of movies and who was going to star as the main character. 
that was supposed to come out in the 80s, early 90s. Now, okay? stop for a minute. I want to I throw something in here, okay? Understand, a few Marvel films did get made in the 80s, and almost nobody wants to admit they <laughs> exist. <laughs> Roger Corman made a Fantastic Four movie right about the same time they were bandying these other things around, and it took a decade for him to make it, and the only reason he made it was so that he wouldn't have to pay Marvel a King Hill fortune for not using the property he was he had paid for. So, wow. as you were, you go right ahead. And anybody who's ever seen the Rod, any clips from the Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie, you can ha that was the bullet we didn't dodge. These are the ones we did. Go right ahead. So apparently, uh, at the end of the seventies, in the early eighties. They were going to do a Black Widow and Daredevil movie with Angie Bowie and David Bowie. Late 70s? This would be before Frank Miller made Daredevil cool. Uh, and this is also right around the time you got uh, Nicholas Hammond playing Spider-Man on TV and Bill Bixby and Luke Rignall playing the Hulk on TV. Mm. And this would be right around the same time that Linda Carter was being Wonder Woman. And you still had Lee Majors at Six Million Dollar Man. And I can't remember who the bionic woman was. Uh, Sandra Bullock, wasn't it? No, no, she no. The bionic woman back in the 70s. No, I don't know. I can't remember. Anyway, the... Uh, anyway, there's a whole bunch of this stuff going around. David Bowie and Angie Bowie was his wife? Uh, yeah, I believe so, yeah. His... Uh, his mustache wife, we'll say. Because uh, he was... Alright, let's just go ahead and take the spoilers <laughs> off. He was banging... David Bowie was banging Mick Jagger at the time, okay? So anyway. The... Uh, or he was getting... One or the other. Thin white dude. Anyway. I have no freaking clue what they would do with Black Widow and, and Daredevil, but I would imagine it would involve Black Widow and fishnets and Daredevil in a yellow and black costume. Probably. Because that would be who David Boyd would remember, because believe me, David Boyd doesn't remember any didn't remember anything about the seventies. So uh Doctor Strange movie. Yeah. That was gonna have Tom Silic. Playing Doctor Strange. He's got the mustache, but not the temperament. Benedict Cumberbatch pretty much is Doctor Strange for me. Once, of course, I'm a Cumberbatch. But anyway, the uh, <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch just nailed it so perfectly in the Doctor Strange movie. I know it didn't make. I know it wasn't the blockbuster everybody thought it would be. But let's face it, Stephen Doctor Strange is like the C list even below Iron Man and stuff, so he's kind of like more esoteric. They're dipping a lot more into the C-list territory with like Iron Fist and Shang-Chi. Uh, Shang-Chi's actually on the D-list, and they're going to be doing a bunch more C-list and D-list heroes. So it's going to be rough here in these next oh, couple of movies, to, at least until the next Spider-Man movie. We'll see what happens there. Um, mm. This one I'm not sure okay with. Uh, Luke Cage was going to be made, and they was going to have Carl Weathers play a Luke Cage. I could see that. Oh, yeah, me too, actually. <laughs> I could totally see that. The uh, Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Okay. I have no problems at all with Carl Weathers being Luke Cage. <laughs> Go ahead. 
Could have been Iron Fist. Uh, the Human Torch. Oh, Lord. Biggest flamer in, in comics. Go ahead. Paul Newman. Not enough money on the planet to make that one happen. Mm -mm. Paul Newman. Paul Newman Which was too busy pushing uh, extra virgin olive oil by that point. Which is actually hilarious because, like, Paul Newman is in the Marvel films. Yes, he is. So it's like... <laughs> Turned up somewhere in there, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, that was after uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe came to be worth more than Paul Newman. Then all of a sudden he, yes. he showed up. No, no, let it uh, <laughs> uh, I just can't... Yeah. But no. I'm trying to think. Yeah, that would be as a Human Torch thing, but it would... I mean, I can't see... I'm trying to think in that era who would have been the other members of the Fantastic Four which is odd because the Human Torch used to be strictly known as a solo hero and back when back in the 60s when the Fantastic Four struck and they resurrected the Human Torch as a concept the Human Torch was the first one who got his own solo series that didn't last very long because people are like the Human Torch tur catches themselves on fire and everything he touches smells like butane so they move on. It wound up being the thing was the breakout character, and and I'm trying to think who around Paul Newman's era would have been a good Ben Grimm. Mm, I have a feeling, but I don't think anybody else would like it. Oh, I know. I know. Who are you thinking? Oh, hold on. Let me think of his name. Uh, oh, like one, he was one of my favorite actors. Always had that. He had that jawline. <laughs> uh, There's a lot of that going around. Oh, man. casting by jawline. No, he was a tall. But I can think of what? Oh goodness, I lost. I totally lost his. You're not thinking Lurch, are you? No, I was thinking uh, 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 City Slickers. Um, Jack Palance. Jack Palance, yes. I was thinking more along the lines of either Clint Eastwood or Charles Bronson. One of those guys, because Ben Grimm is supposed to be a tough guy. That's why he projected himself as, when they got hit, quick aside, when the Fantastic Four got hit by the gamma rays in, in orbit, they each kind of reflected inwardly, inwardly how they saw themselves. So Ben Grimm became the thing, which was a bunch of big orange blocks put together because he always considered himself to be the base carrying everybody else. He always carried the burden of taking care of everybody else around him. Mr. Fantastic became stretchy because he was always flexible and stuff. Uh, the Invisible Woman became the, Sue Storm became the Invisible Woman because she felt like she wasn't being appreciated by the people around her and the Human Torch was gay. So, closeted at the time. But anyway. Which is why he was always hanging out with chicks and made sure people saw him with chicks because he needed a beard. That wow. makes a lot more sense than it should. And guess what? <laughs> Marvel is not going and has never done that. But wow. That's, <laughs> just like Paul Newman. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> I'm going to stick off YouTube yet. Blade. Yes, there was going to be a Blade movie before Wesley Snipes. Which is weird. I never heard of Blade before Wesley Snipes, even though I did read Tomb of Dracula from time to time. Go ahead. Blade was going to be played by Richard Roundtree. Shaft. Oh, hell yes. I would still watch Richard Roundtree as Shaft. Richard Roundtree's dead. I would watch him as 
Is he dead? I don't know. <laughs> if he doesn't matter if he is or not, oh, I would still watch him as Blade. Anyway, oh, we can do great things with CGI these days. Um, now we we've already talked about this, but apparently they was going to do a Captain America movie with Charles Bronson. Yeah, any of those this movies one, don't bring up Charles Bronson. Now, this go ahead. literally brought like joy to my face because I was like. Wow, like, I mean, I can't see him as as Captain America, but the fact that they actually considered to have Charles Bronson playing Captain America is just like, wow. I don't know. It just like it. It's like it puts a smile on my face. You know, we're talking about late seventies, right? I imagine a world. Hold on. Imagine a world. Harrison Ford has been Han Solo, and his next project is Captain America, instead of Indiana Jones. Who would have been Indiana Jones? Han Solo. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Han Solo yeah. went for Indiana Jones. Yep. Uh, so, and then who would have been racing around in the in the hot car on Magnum P.I., though? It's amazing. It's fun to sit there and rearrange the tech deck chairs yeah, on the it's, Titanic. It's, yeah, because when you think about it, it's like, because I mean, there was actually a time, believe it or not, people, in the early '90s. I think it was the early '90s when they decided to do this, or maybe it was the '80s, but they actually was going to do a Wolverine movie with Danny DeVito because of his height. You know what? Danny DeVito could pull that off. <laughs> I would lay money he could pull that I would, off. I would so be like... No, no, no. Danny DeVito needs to be in the Alpha Flight movie. Have you ever heard of Alpha Flight? Uh, sounds familiar. But Alpha Flight is... Okay, Wolverine is a spinoff from the Hulk. Alpha Flight was a spinoff from Wolverine. Okay, so Wolverine, the government of Canada basically builds Wolverine, puts adamantium on his skin, all this other stuff. Wolverine tells him to go pound sand. He goes be an X-Man. <laughs> They took the technology and the intelligence they got from developing Wolverine and developed new heroes called Alpha Flight. They were supposed to be kind of like the Justice League of Canada, or the Avengers of Canada, wrong show. Uh, yeah, okay. One of them was this tough little blankety blank called Puck, and he was about that tall. Remember, I'm sitting down, but he was about that tall. He was roughly about four feet tall. His thing was he was pretty much indestructible and strong as an ox, so he just sat there and barreled through everything, kind of like a little mini juggernaut. <laughs> but Danny, De he, he was actually modeled on Danny DeVito, but with more muscles. So. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> what? And how we don't have an Alpha Flight movie, I don't know, because I guarantee you that would be the, Alpha Flight could be the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy of the 2020s. If somebody were to really get in there and and have some fun with it. Future? If you could find somebody like Chris Pratt who would go in there and have fun with it. Oh, that would be he fun. Would, he would, he would. Chris Pratt would go insane with that whole <laughs> flight. Uh, what, who, what nationality is Charles Bronson? I think Charles Bronson... Is he Native American? I, th I think he's American. I don't think he's Native American, but I think he's... I think he's American. I, can't, I couldn't tell you. The Chinese? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know, play for time, I'll find out. I actually brought my smartphone in with me this time. I was going to use the smartphone to record our audio because last week, for those of you, I'm, I can't believe I forgot to mention it till now, we had audio problems. You haven't heard the raw audio yet. 
I, I, I saw the video and I was like, it, we, there's a reason we are not using our crappy little boom mic anymore. <laughs> because it sounded like there was, it was almost like we had a, a TV in the background tuned to nothing, like, <laughs> through the entire video. I actually had to download Audacity and edit the audio to remove all that noise in the background, and we wound up coming out of it sounding like we were, I don't know, talking through tin whistles or something. But uh, so that's why I've got this one. It's a little replacement mic. So I'm actually catching that on the computer behind me in case the video camera doesn't take good audio. Wow. So that's why I was doing the little five, four, three, two, one. Insider knowledge there, but uh, you know, and the, and the worst part is, I could have sat here looking up Charles Bronson the entire time we were talking, because I was going to get you to play for time while I lift it up. <laughs> but instead, I'm sitting here throwing my boom mic across the. <laughs> well, I will continue across the room. Let's go right ahead, Charles Bronson. Uh, is where you left off. Yes. Uh, yes, he's American. Oh, so nothing, really nothing, not, yeah. Born Charles Dennis Buczynski, 1921, an American actor. So, huh. He was also married to Jill Ireland for a long time. Did 15 films with her. Hmm. Anyway, now you know. And knowing is half the battle. Mm -hmm. um, Which we have a new Snake Eyes movie coming out. I'm almost curious to see it. but Really? Almost curious. <laughs> Almost curious. I'm going to talk myself curious. into it. Not exactly. Because I guarantee you they'll have Snake Eyes talking through the entire film, and I'll just be, I will walk out if that happens. I thought this, that was the whole point, that this was like before he became the Snake Eyes. Stupid. Stupid, stupid. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Here you have a chance. How many tens of millions of dollars do you get to spend on this franchise? You have Snake Eyes and you have Storm Shadow, and you can just spend two hours in the middle of the summer, blockbuster season. Everybody's aching for something to do because they can finally get out of the house, and you're going to tell Snake Eyes backstory, you idiots. Uh, or as a wise man once said, you idiots. Anyway, white dog, you <laughs> idiots. Um, so, She Hulk. Yay! Yes, was going to be played by Bridget Nelson. Mm, she Hulk in the seventies. Yeah, she'd had to wear a wig, but yeah. considering she was usually running around with half her clothes ripped off, then yeah, not the good half either. The uninteresting half. Um, Iron Man. Oh boy. So okay, so you. You people have already probably know that Nicolas Cage was supposed to play Superman at one point a long time ago in the 90s. Well, apparently he was also going to be playing Iron Man. Yeah. Uh, um, we'll move on from that. <laughs> a, a quick aside on Iron Man. Okay, it's been, what, twenty over 20 years since Iron Man 1 came out, right? Came out right around the turn of the century. No, no, it was about ten years ago. Oh, that's right. It's, it's been a decade. It's been yeah, two thousand eight or so. Yeah, okay. that's right. It's okay. been about ten years. 
Can you imagine, one, can you imagine anybody besides Robert Downey Jr. playing Tony Stark? I don't even call him Iron Man. I call him Tony Stark because he's Tony Stark. Okay. Cast him very well. The (laughs) reason they cast him as Tony Stark is because Robert Downey Jr. really was freaking Tony Stark, except without the huge international defense thing. But it wasn't just the look. He lived the Tony Stark lifestyle. When he was cast as Iron Man, everybody on America Online, which is, we were still coming off of that pretty much at the time, but everybody online was wondering why in the world would they cast this alcoholic loser as Tony Stark? And that pretty much answered the question right there because anybody who would ask that question would expose themselves as the biggest idiot in the world because Tony Stark himself would tell you he's an alcoholic loser. The only person that probably could have probably have done the exact same thing, but I think he was still going through some really weird stuff, is Charlie Sheen. <laughs> Charlie Sheen is completely self-destructed there. I'm trying to think. You know what? We've we've seen so many reports of Nicolas Cage playing one hero or another. What hero should Nicolas Cage actually play? Who would it make sense to cast him in in a comic book? And let's stick to the superhero things because honestly, now I'll no, I'll give my answer here in a minute. You go ahead. What who what comic book character would you cast Nicolas Cage as? We know Ghost Rider didn't work. And we've lost Chris. Yep, sitting there. I actually have one, but... I just made his headache about this much worse. Go ahead. I actually have one, but I I just don't... Go ahead and throw it out there. There's nobody listening to us anyway. Reed Richards. Reed Richards is a bit of an a-hole over the last couple of decades. Yeah. I I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. That kind of smarmy know-it-all. Yeah, Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, like that's the only thing that was popping into my mind because I was like, you want to know who? You want to know what the very first comic book character that popped into my head? Nicholas Cage, Sheriff Rick from Walking Dead. They did kind of have that similar. Yes. Yeah, I can see that. That kind of bemused, what the F is going on around me kind of look on their face perpetually. No. 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 Can you see that? that. I I can can see see that. that. Not Rita's now, but Sheriff Rick, yeah. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) and you know they're going to sit there and start recasting for Walking Dead because they're going to try to reboot that franchise. Good luck to you. Uh, I was a fan and then I got lost. Uh, The ABC show? (laughs) It actually was a better show than Walking Dead. At least they made progress in Lost, believe it or not. Um, Nick Fury. David Hasselhoff. Actually... Funny thing about that, Days of, uh, there actually is footage of him did, in the Nick Fury. He movie. did actually do that, but uh-huh. no, George Clooney. No. Nah. Yes. Nah. Now these last two I have here. 
Nah. I want to say the best for the last one, but the next one, Spider-Man. Right after he uh, started to start on, uh, was it Growing Pains? But they was going to have Leonardo DiCaprio play Spider-Man. And honestly, I can actually, after the new Spider-Man movies, I can actually kind of see that. Spider-Man is supposed to be a teenager, but Hollywood has this really long history of, one, casting Caucasians as Asian characters with extra makeup to make their eyes squinty, and two, 40-year-olds as teenagers. So it's... I don't know what it is. Huh? He was 40? No, Leonardo DiCaprio's not 40. That's that's what I'm saying. That was an unusual casting choice because everybody thought Spider-Man was like in his 20s or 30s. He was supposed to be a teenager. So they actually cast a teenager as Spider-Man would actually be going back to the original that's source true. material. Yeah, that's that's what I was saying. Yeah. That's actually pretty... Yeah. Now the last one. The last one. Yes. Oh. This last one, I got to admit, I wish they would have done. Mm-hmm. I would have I watched it so badly. Mm-hmm. Ant-Man. Oh, wait. Who would be playing Ant-Man? Adam Ant. Did I get it? No. Oh. <laughs> Rick Moranis. Yeah, I could see that. Rick Moranis. <laughs> Missed opportunities. I mean, I would have so have watched that. There was a comic book back. This has nothing to do with Ant-Man, but it, the idea of Rick Moranis as Ant-Man. Back in the 70s, there was a... Now, we've talked before about the comic book series, What If? Yes. They had to figure out some... This was just too good of an idea to let go. Okay. The Marvel bullpen got a hold of this. They just could not... They really wanted to do this, but they couldn't figure out where they could put it. Could they put it... I mean, Marvel has all kinds... Back in the 70s, they had all kinds of things for weird ideas. They had like Marvel Spotlight, which is a big tabloid book and comic book and Marvel 2 and 1 had thing team ups and they had Marvel Spotlight which had like Human Torch team ups and all this other stuff Marvel team up which was for Spider-Man they got this brilliant idea and I think they wound up sticking it in what if what if the X-Men met the not ready for primetime players from SNL the entire book was about the X-Men making do with John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd, Garrett Morris, and everybody in the original 1975 SNL cast. Chevy Chase, they're all there. That needs to go back into print right away, by the way, please. (laughs) And the best part, John Belushi, you know it. Out of all the characters John Belushi ever played, do you remember, do you know, can you imagine which one he would have been playing in in this comic book? Meeting the X-Men? Samurai Chef. <laughs> from from Samurai Deli? That John Belushi in the entire book was nothing but Samurai so was this Deli. Actually this is an idea. actual comic book. This was released. It's we gotta, out there in the wild. We gotta find this. <laughs> we have to find this. How did we Dan, Dan, I, I believe Dan Aykroyd did nothing but smoke dope through the entire... <laughs> for the entire book. 
him and Garrett Morris I both I believe Chevy Chase was wandering around people are tripping over that's something they yell at Scott about down at Scott's Comic Relief 420 East Main Street Suite oh by the way um, go to his Facebook page and yeah, make yeah. sure he's uh, he's down there because apparently something's been happening. Uh, family issues, I think, mm. maybe. He didn't go into details, but he said he wasn't going to be in the shop for a while. So The hours are a regular down at Scott's right now. So double check with him on, on Facebook. Make sure he's in before you make the trek down. But, but, yeah, but best of all to Scott and all the rest. We, we love you guys. But anyway. You got anything else newsish to talk about? No, that was okay. That was it. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna wrap this episode of the Spike and Chris show. Okay, what we are going to do next. Okay, we have one more thing we need to record. Hold on. There you go. Which is where all his notes always go in the trash. We are going to do one more thing. We are going to actually be recording an episode of the Tour of Duty. Yeah. Now, this is going to... Now, understand, this episode of the Spike and Chris Show goes out on Facebook and YouTube first before it goes anywhere else. The Tour of Duty goes out to our Anchor website because it goes audio first and hits... It's going to hit Anchor FM, it's going to hit the Apple Podcast, Google Podcasts, all the other pod, big podcast sites. What? How is that going we are up to three dollars and forty-eight cents in earnings, there, buddy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta start somewhere. That's over a year and a half, by the way. You gotta start somewhere. Did I mention on the show I had re-listened to our our first episode of the Tour of Duty? Because you were there, we couldn't even figure out what to call it right away, and then by the end of the first episode, we called it Tour of Duty. I didn't get a whole... If you go back and listen to it, I made some prognostications. It didn't work out so well. But anyway. <laughs> we tried. But anyway. So until next time, boys and girls, the Chore of Duty will be coming out sometime shortly, I'm, I'm sure. It will go out audio first, and then if we... I'll see if I can get some video out on YouTube and Facebook a little bit later in the week. But So until next time, boys and girls, Spike... This was the show. Until next time, enjoy your fourth. Don't blow each other's hands up. I will be. I will see you on the other side of fifty. I reckon. I reckon. I suppose. I guess. Other know. side of fifty. You know, I got to admit, for fifty, oh, pretty good, right? Hey, these didn't grow themselves. Oh, okay. okay. Well, he did. He did. <laughs> I did look. I do look fifty. See y'all down the road. Ta. <laughs>